Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. So we have been in a sermon series today that we're calling that we are finishing up today called The Gift, and really this sermon series um, is based on a couple concepts. First off, Christmas is really about, I, th- I think, two kind of big, big, uh, big things. First off is gifts, right? And I, now let me think about it. how many people are you, are you shopping for, think of, about people that are shopping for gifts for, for you, but also too, it is ultimately, Christmas is ultimately about Jesus, right? It's, it's kind of an important person with this whole Christmas thing because it's Jesus is what? We, we celebrate his what? Birthday. That's right, right? So here's the thing, right? Christmas is about gifts, but it's also about, about Jesus. And really, Jesus is the greatest gift. But at the same time, hasn't gifts, buying people gifts in our culture, developed its own language, where you can tell what somebody thinks about you by the kind of Christmas gift they give you. And we have been using my, my, my really good friend, Dwayne Good, Goodrich, right over here, as, as an example, where last year I bought him a pair of Jordans. Not because I liked these Jordans, or because, honestly, I really like him. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I bought them because he has a pair of 21, or of like 19, 20-year-old lugs that he needs to stop wearing. He has a pair of shoes that I'm just like, bro, get in the next decade. Get in the next decade. It's like, come on, man. So do you know what? I went out and bought him a brand new pair of Jordans. And actually, right after Christmas, we're going on a shopping trip. Me me and his wife, we have said December 28th, we're going to go out for you and shop for you because you got to get in this decade, brother. We got to help you. So, so here's our aim. But, but the thing is, right, I, I know my Christmas gift to Dwayne this year is going to involve clothes. It's going to involve shoes because I want to try to get to him a certain message. Gifts can carry with them a certain, uh, uh, a certain connotation to them. But, but at the same time, what, what we see um, is Jesus is the greatest gift where Whenever we say at, as a church, what is the most important thing that we offer our community, that we offer people, the most important thing we give them or, or offer them is Jesus. It's not community service. It is not a week of service like for our city week. The greatest thing that we give our city isn't volunteer hours. The most important, beneficial thing we offer as a church to our city is the person, work, and love of Jesus. That is the greatest gift. Here's the thing. Our whole church's goal, our whole church's purpose, the vision of of our church, the overarching vision of our church is simply this. We want to help all people. Everyone say all. All people experience life change through Christ. Because if we don't give people 
Jesus, no matter what else we give them, it doesn't go down to the root of what actually brings change in their life. And Jesus, and Jesus even said this. He said this. If you give a cup of cold water, do it in my name. If you give somebody a hot meal, do it in my name. If you help somebody, do it in my name. And what he was saying was, is don't just do it. Do it in the name of Jesus for the purpose of showing them who Jesus is and what Jesus is like. The greatest gift, and I want you to know this, the greatest gift our church, we, you know, and one thing that we say is we're for our, our city. We love this city. We're, we're, we're going to be receiving an, an offering at the end of service today that's called the gift to our city offering. But the greatest gift that we give to our city is Jesus. And really, honestly, what I have found is Christians have pretty much taken this posture of victimization, where we, you know, and I'm pretty engrossed in Christian culture, and really, I've heard so many Christians say things like this, that, you know, they've taken prayer out of schools, and the reason our world is going to hell in a handbasket is because we've taken prayer out of schools. You know if you're a Christian, you can pray in school? You just can't, like, grab five, five other people and be like, pray! But you can actually still pray in school. Christians can still pray. In, teachers, you can pray in school all day. Yeah, some of y'all are like, all day. We got teachers here. We got counselors here. They're like, all day. Here, here's, a, here's the thing that I hear say, well, they took the Ten Commandments out of the Supreme Court. And that's the reason why our country's going down to the, down the, down the hell in a handbasket. And really, y'all, what I've, what I've seen big, big picture-wise, the story that we are told is that our world doesn't like Jesus. But, but honestly, let me tell you what I have seen on a personal level where when you get away from, from what the culture and media is feeding you down to a personal level where you actually talk to real people that have real needs, what you find is I have seen that people are actually intrigued by Jesus. They are intrigued by good news. I've had conversations at One Life Gym where, you know, we're just sitting there talking, working out, and they're like, hey, John, how's it How's it going? I'm like, what's up? And we, and we start talking, and they start talking about the church. And, and kind of how some way the, the topic of the gospel of Jesus Christ comes up where, honestly, I believe people, when they hear the true message, the true and unfiltered gospel story, that people will honestly think that it is one of the most beautiful things they have ever heard. I have had people in the middle of One Life Gym, when I have walked them through what the gospel story is, they look at me and they say, that is beautiful. And I'm like, I know. That's why it is good news. Whenever they hear the story of, uh, of the gospel, that the bottom line is, the, the scripture tells us that we have all sinned. That means you, your mama, your uncles, your cousins, everyone that you, like, we have all sinned. And sin is simply a churchy word that simply means we've turned our back on God and done what we want to do instead of what God desires for us. 
that we've all done that. And because of that, because we have all sinned, it has put a chasm, it has put a gap in our relationship with God. And because of that, of that relationship, there is an amount of any good things that we can do on our own to make our way back to God, and that is where Jesus come, come, comes in. Jesus comes in, we, we, we see him come a couple thousand years back. He develops a huge, uh, huge following. He, he has disciples, he has, he has eyewitness accounts of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of him, and they record stories of, of, of him doing incredible, incredible healings, miracles, and they record his, his teachings, but ultimately what they, what they record is Jesus' perfect, perfect life, his sacrificial death, and then him rising from death and defeating Satan, sin, and death. And, wh- and what you see from that is Jesus lived the life you could not live, a perfect life, died the death you should have died on the cross in your place and for your sin, but because Jesus did not sin, it could not hold his physical body down, therefore... Jesus rose and defeated Satan, sin, and death and holds the keys to, Scripture says, life itself. And what, and what Jesus then does, Jesus, because he holds the keys to life and he holds eternal life in his hands, whenever we submit our lives to following Jesus, he gives you, Scripture says, a gift of grace that you receive. And grace simply means you can't, uh, you, you can't earn it. You can simply receive it. You take it, and then you become a child of God, fully known and fully loved. And whenever I explain this to people and explain the gospel story, that there's nothing you could do to make God love you more. There's nothing you could do to make God love you any less. You simply receive the gospel, the good news, by grace, through faith, and he gives it to you as a gift. The, what people tell me is that is absolutely beautiful. I believe that people are not volatile of Jesus. They're volatile of the way the greatest gift is packaged. The greatest gift doesn't need to be changed, but it does need to be repackaged. I believe the biggest issue in in our day isn't the message that Jesus brings, it is the way many of his followers present it. It is the way the gift is packaged. And people will sometimes miss the greatest gift, not because the greatest gift, not because they don't like it, but because the greatest gift isn't wrapped the way it needs to be. How many times have you seen the greatest gift, this message of Jesus Christ, wrapped in hate? How many times have you seen it wrapped in condemnation? How many times have you seen it wrapped in self-servantness? How many times have you seen it wrapped in, and here's a key word here, irrelevance? Meaning people, you put it in a way that people don't understand. And here's the thing, I am convinced many times it's not that people don't want Jesus, it's just that it's not packaged right. And what I want to talk to you today about is how this gift came packaged. How the greatest gift came wrapped, not only from God to you, but how then we are called as people to take it from here out there. Y'all are super, y'all are super quiet today. I need some sort of feedback. Preach a white boy, uh, <laughs> preach a stuttering guy. Like, I don't care. Just give me a little something, something, all right? Just, just let me know you, that you're with me, all right? That just helps me because when y'all are quiet, I get nervous. I'm like, are they on their phones or something? Come on, man, all right? So look, 
So look, today, I want to talk to you about how the gift is wrapped. First off, I think when Jesus came down, he was wrapped in servanthood. He was wrapped in a posture, an attitude, and actions of servanthood. Like the one that, that could have demanded everybody bow down and serve him came down and said, I'm not here to be served. I came down here to serve. I did not come down here to get. I came down here to give. He came down packaged in humility, wrapped in humility. Think about the, even the way he was born into the world. He could have had a whole Aladdin-type entrance. Make way for baby Jesus. Make way. Right, like you... If anybody could have had that sort of entrance into the world and really deserved it, it would have been Jesus. But do you know what Jesus said? There's not even going to be a place for me in a hotel. I'm going to be born in a barn in a trough. He, was, he came in humility. He came not saying, what can I get? He came saying, what can I give? He didn't say, look at me. He said, I came here to look at you and seek you and find you. Mark 10, 45 says this here. It says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Philippians chapter two, verse six through eight tells us this about Jesus. It says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider the equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So Jesus took his, his position of power and instead of using it to serve himself, used his position of power to serve those who needed it most. He said he didn't take his position to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross, and he did that for you. He did that for you. That is why at our church, we start off, like whenever somebody comes in here the first time, like if you are a first-time guest, first off, welcome, Life Else Famous, one more time, tell our guest. But here's the thing, if you are a first-time guest here, like you, like, like you come in and we just like give you stuff. We give you like a gift bag. And you come in, we got like free coffee for you. We got free donuts for you. It's not like we're trying to schmooze you. It's not like we're trying to, I mean, no, no, it's like what we're saying is this is the way we believe the heart of God is. He comes and he says, hey, here. We don't want $2 for our coffee. We don't want a dollar for our donuts. We don't, we, don't, we don't want $5 for these cool coffee cups we give you. What we're, what we're saying is when you first walk in, it's not what we can get. Because honestly, people think that way about church. Mostly guys. Come on, man. Come on, man. Right? You walk into church, they want my money, they want my wife, they want my time. And men, you, you know what's up? M mostly guys come to church because their wives, they think, oh, their wives need it. My wives, they're just emotionally troubled. They could use some church. <laughs> just being real. That was my home growing up. And... You know, honestly, that, that, that's why we, like, come to our, like, you and God give nothing. Like, just, 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 it's all you. We ain't trying to get nothing from you. We're trying to get someone to you. And trying to get somebody 
to you if it requires us. No. We're going to come in the posture. We're going to wrap the gift in not what we can get from you, but in what we can give to you, because that's the way Jesus came down. He said he's going to wrap the gift. And that is why we're so serious at our church about serving our community. Where we go to our community, that's why we have community partners each month, where we come in and say, what can we do? Here's a $1,000 check. Here are some practical ways. First off, thinking about it, we gave over $2,500 in coins to CareNet Pregnancy Resource Center. Come on, like, like that's, that's amazing. We did the baby bottle campaign. I finally got the final total, like $2,500 in coins. Last Sunday, we had the pizza guys here. How many of you were here last Sunday? We had the pizza guys here. They came in. Y'all gave like $2,500 to these pizza de delivery guys. And let me show you, right? One thing that, that we said with that is, 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 is we said, God, we're going to trust you to bring the people that, that need to come here. Let me show you an email from the first service pizza guy that he sent at 1230 on the same day. Check this out. He says, thank you all so much for, in, for such an amazing opportunity to meet such wonderful people. I have been going through depression and suicidal thoughts for years now. One lady named Jenna gave me a note that said, everything you do has value. Never forget that. Just yesterday, I had some dark thoughts, and I kept asking God, what's the point of living? I believe I got his answer, meeting people. I mean, we had the opportunity, man. He was down, down, down here, and all y'all were bringing down money and giving them hugs. And, and it's just I was like, no what can you give us? But it's like, yeah, what can, what can, what can we give you? Because that's how Jesus came down. He can, and, and that's why as, as a church, we're going to take the posture of, we're not going to wait for you to come into this building. We're going to go where you are. We're going to go into your schools. We're going to go into your workplaces. We're going to go into, into blocks and streets and neighborhoods. We're going to go to where you are because that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't wait for us to try and get to him in heaven. He came down to us in earth and entered our hell so he could bring more of his heaven into our hell. We want to bring more of the good news, the greatest gift, into the hell that is going on into our city. Right? So, so, so look, that's why we're so passionate about, about being for our city here. Is because we want to be known in this community by, by not what we're taking, but by what we're giving. Because Jesus didn't come to be served. I want it to be said about Lifehouse. They don't come to be served, they come to serve. Because that's wrapping the greatest gift, Jesus, in an attitude and heart of servanthood. Secondly, though, and this one is my favorite. Wrapping Jesus in a, in wrapping paper of unconditional acceptance unconditional acceptance. You know, out of all the things about Jesus's life that amaze me, and there's so many things, his great moral teachings, right, raising people from the dead that, 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 that we read about in scripture, healing lepers, healing sick, sick people, um, dying on the cross. Um, one of the the, the main thing that just blows my mind and I have the hardest time wrapping my brain around is how Jesus loved and welcomed sinners. Because it just blows my mind because like Jesus wasn't just a good person. Like he wasn't just some person that was just like, but he was God, God, like God, creator, God, God, like God. 
in a human being. When, in other words, when, you, when people saw Jesus, they saw God in a human. They saw God's heartbeat, how God would react, how God thinks, how God, like everything about God was wrapped in the person and work and life of Jesus Christ. That boggles my mind. And that's why if you're a brand new Christian here, even if you've been a Christian a long time, you need to be in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Reading about Jesus. Because when you read about Jesus, you're reading about how God would, would do things and say things and react to things because Jesus was God. Ephesians, or, excuse me, Hebrews 1.3, it says he... Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. In other words, saying in Jesus was the exact representation of who God is. And that's why you need to get into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see how Jesus reacted to those who mistreated him. You need need to see how Jesus reacted to to those who were self-righteous. You need to get in there and see. But one of the things that just boggles my mind is stuff. Luke Luke 15 too. I I just, I I don't know. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And in that culture, whenever you ate with them, what you were essentially saying to them is, I accept you. Just boggles my mind. Luke 19, verse 1 through 10. This is actually an encounter that Jesus had written down by the, by the Dr. Luke, where he talks about Jesus getting close to and welcoming a sinner named Zacchaeus. I'm not going to sing the song. I want to because I was a church boy growing up. Zacchaeus was, okay, I'm, 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 no, I'm not going to do it. But Zacchaeus, he was the short guy. And we're going to read the, the story, the account of him whenever he encountered Jesus says, then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there, his name Zacchaeus, the head tax man and quite rich. So Luke throws in here the details of he was the head tax guy. So see, the IRS, we think like IRS, but in Jesus's day, it was sort of like IRS, FBI, CIA, all in one thing. Because they had the authority and power to break the law. They could go up to somebody they did, they did not like and charge them a different tax rate than they did someone they do like. So the Jews hated them because guys like Zacchaeus would go and rip the Jews off because he didn't like the Jews and give his fellow Romans tax breaks while, while, while he is ripping off the Jews. And so Zacchaeus goes to them, or you know, say he wants to see Jesus. It says he wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man. I just love that. He was a short man. And couldn't see over the crowd. (coughs) So he ran on ahead and climbed in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Yo, Zacchaeus, hurry down, bruh. Today's my day to be a guest in your home. I love Jesus. He just invites himself over. He's just like, yo, I'm coming to your house today. You better have something good made because I'm coming over. Jesus just invites himself over. 
Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree. <laughs> I can just see him like, I got to get those calendars down that I've got up in the garage. Like, <laughs> I got to go and get, <laughs> like, I got to go and get my house right. I got to go and throw those bad CDs out. I don't know, maybe I'm just showing my age here, throwing, throwing out CDs and stuff. But anyway, hardly believing his good luck, delight, he was delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Dag. But here's the thing. Jesus gets cozy with you. Because we're all the crook. And he's not afraid to welcome you. As a matter of fact, his arms are wide open today. And I don't care who you've been, what you've done, how long you've done it. There's a seat at the table for you. It says Zacchaeus just stood there a little stunned. <laughs> he stammered apologetically. Master, uh, I, um, uh, I, I, I give away half my income to the poor. And if I'm caught cheating, I'll pay four times the damages. Jesus said, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. For the son of man came to find and restore the lost. Now, what, what, I, what I love here is Jesus' encounter with this guy began with unconditional acceptance. And y'all, as a church, that is why we tell the outside, like we say everyone's welcome here. Literally. Everybody. And we mean that. Because you've got friends and family and coworkers and Frenemies, and you've got people that, that you come in contact, in contact with every day that have a preconceived notion the church is only for a specific kind of person. Jesus would only love a certain kind of person. And they have a conditional acceptance mindset that Jesus will only accept me if. Jesus will only accept me if. And what we see, the very heart of God, is Jesus unconditionally accepts everybody just as, just as they are. But here's the thing, let me tell you where, where we get messed up is, is in our response to the unconditional acceptance of God. Because our response to God's unconditional acceptance of us has got to be unconditional submission to him. Because let me tell you what, what people love. They love Jesus accepting them for the way they are but start to balk when Jesus loves them enough to want to see change in their life. And what do you see? Zacchaeus here. Jesus, if I have screwed anybody, I'm going to give them, I'm going to pay them back. If I've done anything wrong to anybody, I'm going to make it right. There was a fact of, and you think, I wonder what conversations Jesus had with Zacchaeus that Luke doesn't record. That maybe when he was at his house, Jesus said, hey, I want to talk to you really quick. I'm so glad you've, you've welcomed me, Zacchaeus. I love you, but there's something better for you. And something better for you isn't screwing people over. It's giving them equality. It's giving justice. And what we can actually see here is Zacchaeus responded to the unconditional acceptance of Jesus with unconditional submission. He was the head tax man and quite rich, meaning the most, important thing to, the most important thing to him was money. 
And then what do you see him submitting and saying, Jesus, I'll get this right. I'm going to pay people back. If I've screwed them over, I'm going to pay them back. We need to celebrate, give, live out in unconditional acceptance. But for those in the church that love the unconditional acceptance of God, we also need to, our response to that unconditional acceptance needs to be unconditional submission to say, Jesus, I give you access to the very core and depth of my being. If there's something that you want to speak into, I give you authority and access. And we say, Jesus, you're welcome here. Thank you for your unconditional acceptance, but now we need to respond to him in unconditional submission. And y'all, I, what I love about our church is we truly live, this, live out this core value that we have of honor everyone. What I love about our church is just how diverse it is. Young, old, rich, poor. Everybody. But it's built on this fact that we don't care who you are, where you've been, how long you've done it. What you, what you struggle with, what your preconceived notion of church is, what your preconceived notion of Jesus is, you are welcome here. And we want to help you figure out and see and know and love this Jesus guy that loves you so much, that wants to have a relationship with you, that died for you so you can be made right with God. Jesus came down wrapped in servanthood. He came down wrapped in unconditional acceptance. But also what we see, Jesus came down wrapped in love. Love is such a confusing word because we're like, we love tacos. I love the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, we're going to have a, yeah, man, tell our church a little divided here, okay? Okay, we're going to have prayer workers down front for all you Cowboy fans, Okay. Whenever y'all don't make the playoffs, okay, y'all can come down here and weep and wail and mourn and weep like the prophet Jeremiah, okay? Uh, but here's the, here's the thing, y'all totally got me mixed up. What was I saying? Uh, love, 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 love. Um, we're so confused about what love is because we say like we love tacos and we love the cowboys and then we love our wives. And then we, we yeah, yeah, of course I love Jesus. Of course I love Jesus, right? And we kind of have this cultural definition of what love is. And it's kind of this euphoric, like, abstract word that is subjective. Like, whatever you think it means, that's what it, it really actually means. But actually, we have a definition in Scripture of what love is. And we've got to make sure that our definition of what love is matches what God's definition is. 1 Corinthians 13. This is Paul. He's writing to a church in Corinth that was a hot mess. Like they were getting drunk during communion. We ain't doing that, thank God. Not that I know of. I don't see any of y'all like popping stuff, you know, during, 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 <laughs> during communion. We do grape juice here, okay? Uh, but they were getting drunk during communion. There was intense sexual sins going on. And then they were fighting about spiritual gifts. They were like, my gift's better than your gift. I speak in tongues. You don't. They were... There was that going on. Their worship services were out of control. And Paul had to like write them a letter and be like, y'all crazy. Y'all need the Holy Spirit. But let me give you some instruction here. And right in between talking, talking about the spiritual gifts and, and having a sense of order in the church, he brings those two things together with a chapter on what love is. 
And in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7, it tells us this, and this is Paul talking. He says, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but do not love, I am nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. So if you, if you have a great speaking gift, but you don't wrap that gift in love, do you know what it, do you know what it is? Nothing. If I speak God's word with power, and I'm like Stephen Furtick. Some of y'all are like, who is that? Revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day. And if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps. But I do not love. I'm nothing. I could stand up here and preach to you God's word as clear and plain and powerful as day. But if I do it with the wrong spirit and wrong heart, God says it's nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Do you realize to see what you can do in your own strength and not have the love of God in you? There's so much that we can all do in our own strength and for our own glory that if we can have a gift that can move mountains, we can have a gift that can speak powerfully, we can have a gift that can preach powerfully, but if that gift is not wrapped in love, that gift is worthless. Do you know, we can have the greatest gift, Jesus, that we want to give to people, but if that gift is not wrapped in love, I would almost venture to say, Paul would say, it is worthless. That's why if we have a gift, it's got to be wrapped with a heart motive of love. And then Paul goes on, he says, then he starts to define what like the physical expression of what love is. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. I'm not stuttering. Doesn't revel, <laughs> doesn't revel, <laughs> <laughs> just trying to make a point, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Y'all, what if we had a church that was defined by this definition of love? Now, I know, honestly, like I read this and I just want to bow at the altar and tell God how much I suck because how much I fall short of this. But I find the moments in my life that I am projecting this definition the most are the moments when I am keenly aware of how this is the way that God loves me. For so many years, I read this and was like, I, God, I could never do this. And God's like, I know. You can't on your own strength. But as you realize that this isn't just how we're called to love people, this is how God loves you. And as you realize that this is the way and get more into the way that God loves you, it gives you the fuel then to love people the way that God loves you. And then it helps you wrap any gift you have, any good thing you have in, in your life, it helps you wrap it in the love of God so when you use your gift, People see not just your gift, but they see the heart behind your gift, and that heart behind your gift is love. Y'all, look, today we are receiving the gift to our city offering. And, 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 and part of that is, is we're, we're, you know, we're, we 
challenge y'all to, 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 to give corporately as a congregation $25,000 so we can do four different things in our city that we can give as gifts to our city. The first one is, is this, a community-wide egg, egg hunt. Secondly, the, our, our serve week in the third week of August, that costs about $13,000. The community egg hunt costs about $5,000. And then two, the work we're doing at Denby, we, we have an, an, an after-school program on Mondays called Club In, where we feed the athletes and we break them down into small groups and do character development with them. Uh, and, that cost, and that cost us yearly about $2,500. But then also, too, we wanted to purchase a bus so we can start transporting these kids and their families to, to church and back on Sunday and to different events that we have going on, equally totaling with, totaling with all of these things, $25,000. Here's the thing. Whenever we called it the gift to our city offering, we knew the greatest gift that we would give to our city is not an egg hunt. It's not a week of servanthood. It's not meals to, uh, to athletes and character development to athletes. It's not a bus to transport kids. Those are simply ways that we wrap the greatest gift, who is Jesus. And here's the thing, 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 right? These events and these things wrap Jesus in a spirit of servanthood. Wrap Jesus in a spirit of unconditional acceptance and wrap Jesus in a spirit of love. And what I want to show you today is a story, some, somebody's story of life change that found Jesus wrapped in servanthood, unconditional acceptance, and love and found Jesus at this church. Check out, check out this story here. My name is Marie Giles, and this is my story of life change through Christ. Life before Lifehouse was um, very busy, very quick. Um, I have recently transitioned back to Hampton Roads about three and a half years ago. It wasn't easy. Um, I had the opportunity to work in a rewarding job, um, but it's challenging at the same time, so that was a transition. Um, at the time, my daughter was one and a half years old, and you know, raising her, um, of course, is a journey as well. But the one thing that um, was missing was um, having that community, um, having those individuals to lean on. That was the one missing piece. I always knew that, but never really made an effort to seek out church. For me, it might have been, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to sleep in today, or I'm just going to go to the gym. I just didn't make it a priority. Um, I was my own barrier in that process of reestablishing, you know, that, that relationship with God and, and the church. Easter Sunday was approaching, and I was on a hunt to find an activity, a fun activity for my daughter to participate in. Um, and uh, as I was about to leave the gym, um, I saw this flyer um, for a community-wide Easter egg hunt at Todd Stadium in Newport News. So I was interested in the possibility of taking my daughter. Sounded fun. I was familiar with the stadium because I used to run track there in middle and high school. So um, when I got home that day, I did a little bit of research on the event and also Lifehouse, and I felt like it would be a fun event to take my daughter to. 
Um, so I signed her up and we were scheduled to go um, that Saturday before Easter. So I took my daughter to the event and she had an awesome time. I was very impressed with the organization because there were so many people um, at the event at Todd Stadium. Um, everyone was so welcoming, warm, lots of smiles, and my daughter had a wonderful time um, with her Easter egg hunt, and we just left. Um, the next day was Easter, and I actually had plans to attend an Easter service in Richmond, Virginia with my daughter and one of my best friends. But early that morning, um, the plans kind of changed last minute, and I thought about LifeHouse and the experience that I had the day before. As we got to the church, um, we were greeted by individuals who were just happy to see us there. Um, we had an opportunity to take pictures, and there were lots of donuts available, um, which my daughter really loved. Um, we also connected with Pastor John, and through our conversation, uh, we found out that we actually grew up in the same, pretty much the same area of Hampton. And, my conversation with Pastor John, you would think that we had known each other for years. He was just that opening, welcome, welcoming to all of us. So um, that was pretty awesome to experience within LifeHouse as well. A couple of weeks back, Pastor John concluded the A Beautiful Mess series. And as um, each week included a specific message in regards to that topic of being a beautiful mess, and each week, um, the words and the messages within his sermon really did resonate with me. And at the end of the series, I knew that I needed to make a decision in regards to, you know, my next step as far as my, my faith walk with Jesus Christ. And it was at that moment when we were given the opportunity to say yes, that I knew that it was time for me to go all in and truly commit myself to this walk with Jesus Christ. Lifehouse has truly been a blessing in not only my life, but also in my daughter's life. The people there always have a huge smile on their face. They give high fives, they give big hugs, and that's totally reassuring um, to not only me, but also my daughter. She loves it there. Um, and she also loves the donuts as well. Come on, someone. Marie Giles, are you here today? Marie, stand up for us and just give a little wave. Thank you for telling your story. Y'all, whenever we're talking about the stuff we do in the community, at Conserve Weeks and Denby and all the other things that we're gonna do in the future, Y'all, we want to wrap the greatest gift in a heart of servanthood, in a heart of unconditional acceptance, and in a heart of love. And that's what these events do. For her, it wasn't just an egg hunt. It was a way to connect with God. And really, honestly, that is the way we see this gift to our city offering, that we are giving people the opportunity to, to connect with God in a way of love, unconditional acceptance and saying we're not here to get from you we're here to give towards you thank you again for joining us on the lifehouse newport news podcast 
If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.